Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts. With me this week and every week, Tanner DelVal. Tanner, good to have you. Hey, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. You know, um, this episode is going to be a little different than last week's. It seems that way. Um, You know, last week we had the largest panel discussion we've had on the show since we started it almost two years ago. Yeah, I'm still tired from it. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) We... We we managed four people, um, and we did pretty good with it. I think I, I oh, yeah. expect that episode to be our most downloaded episode um, within five days um, after we after we put it up. Um, I think it's going to be a, a huge hit. But this week, you and I are both tired from last week, so it's just you and I. It's been a while since we have had just you and I doing one. Yeah, um, you know, every once in a while, it's okay for us to to um, talk about ourselves, talk about what we're seeing um, and, and the different the different problems we're seeing, the different issues we're seeing um, on lawns, on fields, on golf courses, um, all over the place. You and I both see a lot of turf through the course of a week, um, over the course of a month even. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about it. What, um, Where do we start? Dry? I mean, I don't know about you, but eastern Pennsylvania here, a lot of places you drive around, it is very dry. And it's every day is up in the upper 80s or even into the low 90s. Um, hasn't been ridiculously hot, but it's been dry. I mean, I I should look and see how much rain we've gotten in the last week and a half or two weeks, but it's probably less than a quarter of an inch. I'm pretty sure ours is. We've been dry for about a month here in western pennsylvania um we've gotten we've gotten showers um but nothing um i mean things are things are dormant um our cool season grasses have shut down they're they're hot they're dry um temperatures we've been in the low 90s um a lot of days um and you know that makes that makes cool season shut down um obviously um you know i kind of like it uh, because i haven't had to mow my yard um because I don't irrigate and, you know, my, I got to mow around my pink flamingos that are in the front yard. <laughs> so I kind of like it, but um, I also like to see green grass. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I like to see green and growing grass, but you know, we talk a lot of bit about weeds. I mean, we see nut nuts edge, you know, I see a fair amount of that around some crabgrass in some areas that are primarily untreated turf, but um, most of the turf here, unirrigated there's not too many places some stadium fields are irrigated but most places are not right yeah we we just don't have a whole lot of irrigation functioning irrigation in the state of pennsylvania um because we we, you know we we take water for granted here i think um yeah talk to our friends out west and you know they just don't they don't get the kind of water we get so i mean we get more in a month than they get in a year yeah, what we start to see, too, in Pennsylvania, you look at like maps, there's always certain areas and it can change. But like there's areas of the state where they'll get plenty of rain. And then there's areas. Pennsylvania is not that big of a state, but it's big enough that 
the weather can be vastly different, at least from a precipitation standpoint, maybe not temperature standpoint. But uh, yeah, I'd say a lot of Pennsylvania is probably pretty darn dry. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to getting some rain, but you have to watch when we get into those late afternoon thunderstorms. If we get a lot of rain and it just sits and then it gets like hot again, that's when we start to see pythium and some say, other diseases. That, when we start to see pythium when that happens, um, what what can we do about pythium? Um, not so much on our home lawns, but um, for our family. yeah. I mean, preventative applications of fungicides, um, that's really going to be your only best bet. All species can get, you know, pythium, you know, whether it be foliar or, you know, root rot. But obviously that's the worst, the worst disease that you can really get. I mean, no disease is good, but that can be pretty devastating and act pretty quickly. And I got a picture yesterday, actually, that out in, from somewhere out south central PA. I don't remember what county it was in, but I... It looked like pythium to me on a home lawn. It was very devastating. Everything was wiped out. And it, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But it looked like it was an area that lays wet. And that's usually what we'll see. So even in home lawns, you can do preventative applications of fungicides. Typically, let that to the professionals. Um, you got to put a lot of liquid down, a lot of water with it as your carrier or water in, in a lot of cases, depending on the material you're using. But yes, things like subdue. Or Segway. <clears throat> I mean, if you're in golf turf, there's a few other options for you as well. But Segway seems to be a, a pretty darn good one that a lot of folks have been using uh, for years. But it's again, you know, with any fungicide application, it's going to be it's not going to last for the whole summer. You know, you have right. to do it, you know, in golf turf or even really high end athletic fields. It's every two or three weeks every 14 to 21 days exactly so in a lot of cases you can add there's other things that you can add to the tank but this is not the time of year that we do we want to recommend doing any fertilization you know you when turf is really starting to shut down the last thing you want to do is start encouraging more growth um can really hurt the plant but a lot of folks hopefully up to now i mean we're about pretty darn close to the end of doing grub applications for the fall preventative grub applications so folks hopefully should have gotten those down if they are or intended to put them down um but other than that um you know i am i got a call two days ago from someone that i think could be gray leaf spot on perennial ryegrass which it's pretty early for that I and mean, it's not unheard of but it's i think it's a little on the earlier side usually we don't start seeing that at least in our area here until august usually end of july early august but uh, we get those conditions. That brown patch, I mean, that's on tall fescue, starting to see some of that. This kind of illustrates, in, you know, and I know, Jeff, you do talks about it, just making sure that you can identify what type of species you have, you're dealing with. You know, a lot of times people send me pictures, what's the disease that I have here? And unless it's like red thread, it's hard to really identify what it is, especially on higher cut turf, you know, just you just see disease turf. And there's a whole host of, I mean, there's probably 25 different diseases it could be. Usually we only deal with seven or eight, but without knowing the species, you know, it's it's really only a guess unless you can send it to a lab. And um, in a lot of cases, and in some cases, if I don't, if I can't make a good guess as to what it is, um, would send it to a lab like at Penn State or Rutgers or whatever state you're in. And usually they can identify it for you. But a lot of cases you want to do something, right? So 
when that time that you're waiting from when you send a sample out until you decide what you what you want to or should spray um you, you want to get something down so a fungicide application if it's not pythium like pythium they require very specific products they're not like broad spectrum for a bunch of other diseases most of our other turf diseases can be dealt with like strobes or strobilurins you know, DMIs, I, I recommend doing, and in a lot of cases, and I know Dr. Lanscoot would as well, you know, doing tank mixes in some, in some cases, especially if you're not able to treat on like a weekly or bi-weekly basis, um, you know, full rate application and, and using some sort of a mixture of different classes of fungicides. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we just, um, species is so important. Um, if, even if it's in establishment, um, you know, knowing, knowing where you are, where you're, where you want to put it. Um, you know, some people have the green grass philosophy, um, you know, it's green, who cares? Um, and that, that's okay. But, um, you know, there are certain conditions I've seen parking lots and fine fescue, um, you know, in full sun and guess what? They're, they're dead. They don't, they, they're not going to live. Um, like putting, putting bluegrass in the, the shade of a park and, um, under big maple trees or big oak trees and expecting it to live forever. Um, it's just not going to do it. So species is so important. Um, even before you start talking about disease and other pressures. Um, I got one, I got something else. So the species like I, and probably people that know me and have listened to, to kind of my opinions and I can be very opinionated, but for full sun lawns and even some athletic fields, it depends on their use, not stadium fields, but, I'm a big fan of turf type tall fescue anymore. Um, I don't just the ryegrass, perennial ryegrass, it just seems to get hammered with gray leaf spot um, in our area. And I know out in Western PA, you folks have dealt with it as well. And I've, I've really moved, kind of put a lot of my eggs into that basket. So, you know, it goes back to it's, you know, looking at your seed labels, making sure you know what you're getting. You know, what's interesting. I saw a post yesterday online of a turf, professional that bought seed and he looked at the label that came and this is i'm not going to mention companies or anything but the seed label had the species in it now why you would use this mix i don't know but it had bluegrass and tall fescue and ryegrass and i think fine fescue in it like it just had everything like i don't see why you would in any use, you're not using the right grass for the site, you know, well, it's a sun and shade mix. Well, why don't you, if it's going in the sun, put sun, if it's going in the shade, put shade, because otherwise if you're putting a sun and shade mix out in the sun. There's a portion of that. That's just a waste. Yeah. It, we're, we're talking about grass here. We're, it's not that smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing I wanted to add to that, which that wasn't the interesting part. The interesting part was that it said per pound, you know, a lot of seed labels will say like, you know, less than 1% weed seed or no right. weed. It said two pounds per, I guess, two pounds of the bag, up to two pounds, had quack grass in it and annual bluegrass. And oh. it had that on the label that that was included in there. I'm like, two pounds of a poa seed. Like, That's I wouldn't, I would seed too. Yeah, exactly. It's not like poa seeds, like tall fescue seed. It's not huge. I mean, you just think about well, like bent grass, for instance. I mean, bent grass seeds really small. You're like talking like millions of seeds per pound. I could just imagine like using that. A lot of people probably don't even look at their seed labels. I mean, you 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 order I want tall fescue, and they send it to you, and you look at the the the, the label on it. 
obviously I'm pretty sure this wasn't blue tag or gold tag certified, but it, it, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I saw that on there. I'm like, I literally wrote that on seed for sale and had two pounds of quack grass and quack two grass pounds and, of and poa. annual ryegrass or annual bluegrass. I was like, uh, I couldn't imagine that. So another thing I want to say, talking about things that you see. So I have someone that lives not too far from me that was looking for some help on their lawn this spring. Um, I went out and I helped him out. I've known him for a while and I put some tall fescue down full sun. Okay. Now he said years ago when they built the house, a lot of the topsoil had washed away. Okay. Right after they put it in, you know how it goes. You put a, do a bunch of work and then the that rain comes the in and it all goes away. All right. So anyway, you couldn't really notice. It's not like the slope was any different. It wasn't rocky or anything like, you know, I went over it with an aerator and it, it went through fine. Put the seed down. I actually put some a very light uh, chop dressing of um, peat moss down, uh, very super light, but just to get a little bit of organic matter. He's always struggled with getting grass to grow here. And this was back in the spring. And I went back there a couple of weeks ago and it like almost none of it came up, like almost none. And he was watering all the time. I mean, I'm taking his word and it was moist and stuff. And I was pretty puzzled. So I took a soil sample. And I sent it to Penn State and I got the results back. The soil pH was 4.2. And which is what? like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. So I'm guessing, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm sure that that's playing, playing into it. And like the amount of, oh yeah, it was, it was terrible. I couldn't believe it. I don't, I don't know why it was that low, but it's going to need ridiculously large amounts of, of lime. But uh, the calcium was like super low. Like I think typically you like to see like 60 to 70 percent uh, of the of your CEC taken up by calcium. And I think it was like six percent. So, I mean, obviously, when you have a lower pH, you know, you know, we, we add calcium carbonate to raise pH, which is also going to add calcium as well. But I mean, it was just lacking in everything. And the pH, I just, that's among the lowest soil pHs I've seen. Like that'd be a great candidate for growing blueberries, but not necessarily yeah, or, on. Or potatoes yeah. or rhododendrons. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I, I had one this week, um, similar um, guy had planted a yard, just, you know, here we are in the throngs of summer, right? And he just planted it he called me and I said, we do a soil test. So this just reinforces what I told him yesterday when I talked to him was get a soil test, see what we're dealing with. But I think it was, um, I think it was just heat and moisture because he had good grass seed um, that he had put out and it was growing really well in the shade, but on the sunny side of the house, he couldn't get it to germinate. Um, this was a contractor who was calling me because obviously he was on the rope for, you know, this grass to grow. And I said, well, we can do a soil test to make sure that we're not crazy like that one. The pH isn't way out of whack, but if it's growing in the shade, um, he said, you know, it's just not getting enough water and it's too much heat right now for, for this stuff to germinate. Tall, turf type tall fescue doesn't matter. Um, middle of July in Pennsylvania is not the time to plant a, plant a yard. Um, but I will say that I would agree with you. I have jumped on that turf type tall fescue ban as well. Um, I used to be a a bluegrass, ryegrass, um, tall fescue wasn't even on my radar uh, because it was not an attractive, wasn't that attractive. Um, these new varieties though have really, really come along and, you know, you put in a turf type tall fescue yard now, roots are down, you know, 20, 25 inches deep. Um, 
even through the heavy clay soils, they're just looking for water, looking for nutrients. They're just really amazing. Um, I wouldn't, I personally, if I was putting in a new yard right now, I wouldn't do anything but turf type tall fescue. I put in uh, one of my buddy's lawns um, last, I think last spring we put it in and it needed a little bit. Spring's not the best time to do it, but did a little bit of seeding again, aeration and seeding in the fall. This year, like right now, it's 100% turf type tall fescue. There is nothing else there. His lawn is still green. I mean, it looks awesome. Yeah. Now, a lot of that's mowing height, too. I mean, I you know, you got to make sure you're mowing. He mows pretty much as high as his mower will go. And the higher you mow, the darker the green, obviously, especially when it's in the summertime. But yeah, his lawn, I mean, I, my lawn is a kind of a conglomeration of a bunch of different. I've tried to put more and more turf type tall fescue in it. But when you're dealing with an existing stand, you're not going to be able to convert it without doing a full kill. Um, you just can't. And you're get still it. going to struggle. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, there's a little bit of poetry in there, but my lawn looks pretty good. Um, but it's uh, it's got a little bit of everything. But there's disease working. Um, I don't spray it with fungicides. Poetry. It's been a poetry has been a real issue this summer. Um, this spring, so spring and summer so far, I've seen a pile of it. Yeah. Now it starts to check out when it starts yeah, to get dry starting, like this. Starting to weaken now, but um, there's going to be a there. There was a pile of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very tough to control. We have a retired coworker who's been who was with us for 25 years, and he um, doesn't have anything else to do now, so he stays home and takes care of his lawn. Um, and I kind of rib him about it, but um, you know, he sends me a picture about every third day. You know, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? And I I always joke with him and say, um, the problem is you have too much time to spend on it. Go, Go find yourself a job or go canoeing. Um, <laughs> do something other than look at your lawn. But um, he, it's an it's a turf type tall fescue lawn, um, and he wanted to. He had poetriv coming in, and he thought it was ryegrass. Um, like that's not ryegrass coming in. That's that's poetry of yeah. You know, how to get how to get rid of it? And I said, just wait, it'll check out. <laughs> um, the other thing too that I'm seeing is, you know, obviously drought pictures. I think some people get confused or which they just don't understand. But a lot of times we can just look at a picture and say that's drought or that's a disease. Um, and in a lot of cases, you know, with dry turf, it can almost get like that crunchy type yep. of feel to it. And another thing that I think people kind of forget about, maybe not turf professionals, but don't mow your turf when in the summer like this, when there's moisture on it, because if there's any disease, I can, I mean, people just track it all over the place. Um, so that, that's one thing. And then also don't mow it when it's like super stressed out and hot, like if it's 95 degrees out, you really don't want to go out there and drive across it. I mean, look at golf courses. I mean, they, they'll put signs out when it's that hot, you know, to, to not, prevent you from going over the same areas and whatnot. I mean, you, you can remember, and I've seen it a lot where you see you could, where people drove something over, over turf on a really hot day and, you know, it can do a yeah. lot of damage yeah. and it sticks around until it kind of greens up again. Yeah. It's like, it's like driving over it when it has frost on it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so speaking but, of hot and speaking of hot and dry, um, Tanner, you, you know, um, have made significant progress. I know um, on a little project that, that you're calling a PhD. Um, and I say that in quotes um, because it's it's about um, establishment of, of bluegrass and ryegrass combined, the blue muta concept. 
blue and yeah, blue and blue bluegrass and Bermuda grass. Yeah, how's how's the how's the Bermuda looking now in this heat of summer? Other than gorgeous, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Except the only thing that I'll say is it starts to scalp. You know, it's a, it's yeah, an aggressive grower in the absence of top dressing. I mean, in an ideal world, I mean, if if it was if I was a field manager, I'd be top dressing it, but we just don't have the equipment to do that. Um, but I verticut it, and which is a bit of work, but it definitely helps. But I still would like to top dress with some sand if I could. But how is it looking? Fantastic. Um, how, how's the blue? You know, so this is a combination. We've we've talked about it on the show before, but it's a combination of bluegrass and Bermuda grass, um, established and, and planted together, um, basically managing two species. Um, and the concept is, you know, the blue is good, keeps it looking green in the spring and fall, and the Bermuda keeps it green in the throngs of summer. What's the bluegrass doing right now in the heat of summer? Just chilling down underneath. It ain't doing much. Um, it's there. It depends on, I mean, there's a bunch of different uh, trials that, you know, sure. we're looking at, but I will say, how do I, let's start, let's rewind. Let's go back to the winter and looking at a lot of these. That's the rewind sound. For yeah, there, I like that. Learn following along. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, if we start back then and looking across all these plots, they looked for the most part pretty straw brown because obviously the Bermuda grass was dormant with, I'd say about, this is in, we'll say November, about 20% green in it. So we'd say 20 to 25, maybe 30% bluegrass that's actually visibly green. Okay, let's fast forward. Do you have a sound for that for fast forwarding? Jeff, do you have a, do you have a sound for that to fast forward? You had a rewind <laughs> one. Okay, there, there you go. So now we're back. We're into we'll go March now, end of March, and go out and look at this. The snow's gone, and now there's about sixty or seventy percent green. So over that winter, that bluegrass kind of just very slow. I mean, obviously we're not mowing or anything in the wintertime, but it, it really started to kind of grow out pretty good and then by early to mid-may now the bermuda grass does start to wake up you know in april there's some green bermuda grass in there just starting to wake up but it's not growing aggressively but in may probably the second week of may those plots were probably that have it's blue muta there's bluegrass and bermuda there were probably 80 to 90 percent bluegrass so they had gone from November to May and went from 20 or 30% blue to like 80 to 90% blue. And then now, last week I did ratings, we're at about 80% Bermuda grass. So basically that Bermuda grass, the bluegrass doesn't die. And really the Bermuda grass doesn't either. Like now th that would be winter kill. I mean, we could talk about that, but what's so interesting and it's, from talking to folks that have grown it is it's it's like a two-year process like i was all in like oh this is going to be great initially like this is going to work i was all enthusiastic and i still am but then after the first year i was like eh. like it just didn't look like the bluegrass really survived much it was very patchy looking like it just wasn't aesthetically pleasing now functionally it probably would perform just fine i mean some research has shown that 
uh, Blue Muta performs better with traction and, and some wear stuff better than either by themselves. I mean, there's benefits, you know, Bermuda grass has got right. uh, stolens and rhizomes and where, and bluegrass has stolens. Uh, I'm sorry, bluegrass has rhizomes. And uh, so there's benefits to each. You got the different growing patterns, but I am just amazed at how this flip occurs within all these plots of how much the bluegrass can recover into the spring or not i won't say recover but take over or dominate the plot right, dominate more of the word yeah. yeah and then it just flips once we get these hot temperatures it just flips over um to like now it's set i'd say most of them are 75 80 to even 90 percent bermuda grass and it's always like one of those things well where'd the bluegrass go you know, it's still there, like that whole root mass and root systems there. But if it's not photosynthesizing, you know, if it's not dominating that plot, like how does it survive? But evidently it does. Um, now, I'm going to be taking this data all the way again this year until November. But then I want to finish. So I'm not going to be evaluating anymore after that. Maybe I'll go out and look at it next year, but I'm probably not going to be taking any actual data because it's the bluegrass hasn't gone anywhere, you know, and the Bermuda grass. You know, initially getting the Bermuda grass established can be difficult um, to keep it wet and, um, you know, to keep it alive and through, you know, top dressing, try to get good seed to soil contact or good sprig to soil contact. Uh, but again, from what we've found is the best way to, to establish it. And what I would say is if you want Bermuda, if you're going to do that is to start with Bermuda and seed bluegrass into it. But I haven't done anything looking at repeated applications of seed. Um, if you feel like, which I would anticipate is in order to have that good cover, that good green cover, you know, going into November, October, November, when that Bermuda grass shuts down, probably wouldn't be a bad idea at the end of August or early September to put maybe a pound of bluegrass down or maybe a pound and a half, which is not much. Bluegrass seed's expensive, but that's not a whole lot of seed. Um, and I think some practitioners are doing that, but like now fertilize, you know, what do you, how do you do with fertility in the middle of the summer on blue muta? You got all Bermuda grass, you got some bluegrass in there. You don't want to, do, do you not want to fertilize? I mean, we do. So the, the answer is, is to fertilize for the Bermuda grass. You know, you right. want to, this is Bermuda grass time of year. We want the Bermuda grass to grow. I'm not going to worry about the, the bluegrass. I mean, summer patch is really the main disease that you'd see on bluegrass right now, but there's it summer catch summer patch can't spread in a in a two grass system or well, two species system um, with a warm season because summer summer patch doesn't infect Bermuda grass. So it doesn't spread. Right. You're not going to have that as a problem. The only thing I've seen right. um, on a little bit of the bluegrass was some dollar spot, um, but that was not in the blue muta even. That was actually in straight um, HGT bluegrass, but it wasn't even that not that bad so that being said it looks great um uh, and the, we did i don't know if i mentioned to you we did have a little bit of winter kill problems up in state college right um, not not too bad um and it's all recovered now um it's, it's pretty much all come back so and it, it's looking good now i will say um kind of on this same note that i did talk to a few golf course folks this year that have incorporated not blue muta but bermuda just straight to homa right for a, for their practice they're like a driving range tee and they absolutely love it absolutely love it i mean the amount of recovery that they're getting in typically on a lot of these teas they're using ryegrass 
perennial ryegrass teas um because you can the just only reason, the only reason they're using that is because it germinates quick and it comes back quick and exactly and it, and it and they can germinate and it tolerates mowing down you know half an inch pretty well but um yeah you wouldn't use tall fescue in that case but uh ryegrass is kind of the standard for that for a lot of teas i mean some are using bent grass obviously but um anyway the amount at this time of the year when they're these teas are getting destroyed you know a lot of golf is up people a lot of people are out playing the rounds are up and people are using the teas and they get destroyed. And right now, I mean, I've seen recovery. I got some pictures that I'm going to use in an extension uh, presentation this fall that just show going from just straight divots, like beaver tails, you know, like these just big pelts being taken out and recovering in like three weeks, which with ryegrass, I mean, you're not, you're not going to get that. And this is recovery in the absence of seeding. I mean, this is just, it's filling in on its own. So um, there's definitely some benefits to it. There are downsides, though, as we've talked about. I mean, the downside is the color. It goes off color. The potential to spread it around a course or around a property if you don't know how to manage it as far as containment. Um, right. Though it doesn't appear that it it doesn't rapidly just move out like the aggressive common types to just dominate an area wherever it's at and just make a mess. Um, it kind of stays put, but those stolons are viable when you mow it and you can move them around. So. It's a learning uh, process. I, I just saw a post yesterday on social media um, talking about how far north we could get zoysia grass um, to grow and survive. Um, and th this particular person, you know, reading through the comments was, um, oh, you know, I know where there's a, a golf course using zoysia in Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area. Um, and I'm thinking we can make it go a lot longer, a lot further north than that, because I had zoysia grass in my yard when I lived north of I-80 in Pennsylvania, which is like living in the tundra. For those of you that don't know the geography of Pennsylvania, it's like living in, in the North Pole. Um, I had zoysia grass in the yard. It hadn't taken over. It wasn't spreading, but I wanted to write back to this person and make a comment about it, but didn't didn't do it before. I think you can. I mean, I've seen it up in New York State as well. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's probably folks that even have it yeah. north of there but again a lot of it though is like it, even if it survives it's like how many months are you going to go with it being right. straw brown i mean right. right now i mean i've got some friends um that have it have zoysia grass i have one friend that his lawn is a hundred percent well it was a hundred percent zoysia and then i overseeded it with some tall fescue turf tread tall fescue to because he wanted so he's actually has a two grass system as well which a lot of these zoysia lawns have a little bit of everything in them as you know as well but anyway he had right now it's pretty much all from what you see is all zoysia grass and it looks great for now and it does yeah. in the summertime it looks fantastic but come october and november yeah, same it's thing's going to happen right yeah it's not not the greatest but he's got some tall fescue in there that hopefully so this you know a two grass or two species system i'll say especially when you talk about a warm and a cool season it is something that can be done not necessarily, I wouldn't recommend a bluegrass Bermuda grass on a lawn, but you know, if you're going from a lot of zoysia grass, you could potentially deal with some or, or incorporate some turf type tall fescue in there to maybe, give you some green cover. Maybe you could do that as a little postdoc work. Maybe you could. Maybe uh, you could. I, I don't need one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, you know, Tanner, we were talking before the show today, before we hit record. Um, and, you know, there's some things happen. There has been some things happen to some friends of ours, some mutual friends. Um, 
with deaths in the family and some unexpected events, uh, you know, just happenings. Um, I don't want to go into specifics about it, but, you know, it reminds me that summertime is really the time to really enjoy family, enjoy friends and enjoy loved ones. It doesn't matter what your loved ones are, whether it's your kids, whether it's your neighbor's kids, whether it's your dog, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's your nieces and nephews, whether it's your brothers and sisters. One of our coworkers said a line a couple of months ago, um, her husband had some health issues and she used a line that I'm going to quote, and I use it a lot. And that is, you know, remember to enjoy every sandwich because you just don't know when that is going to be your last sandwich. And, you know, we can talk about turf all we want, but I want to remind our listeners to just step back and spend some time, you know, I know we all love our grass and we all love our turf and we all love our yards and our, our fields and our courses, but man, we gotta, we gotta make sure we take care of, take care of ourselves and those that are important to us. hundred percent, hundred percent. So speaking of things that you like to do, what's, what are you going to, what do you got going on? You got anything fun coming up? Um, yeah, I've got a gathering of, of with my brothers, believe it or not. I have two brothers, um, and we're we're all getting together, minus our son, because um, he's um, in the throngs of summer in, in Colorado, as you know, most of our listeners know. Um, but um, looking forward to spending some time with them and um, making some memories, you know. And then... Um, Got a couple of weeks in one of my favorite places in the whole world coming up with some of my, um, as my pe- as my friends would say from down down in the the southern part of the the world that come up with me is some of my favoriteest people in the whole world, um, and, and that's at the Little League World Series. Um, that's a two week adventure where it's kind of a big family reunion at this point where I've got um, a bunch of people coming um, that um, are almost like brothers to me um this will be my 25th year um with some of them and uh well it'll be there that's not true it'll be the 25th with our good friend jim Wellshance because he's the only one that's been around that long um he's older than dirt itself as you know as you know mm-hmm. um, but um there's a couple of them that have been around with me for 20 20 years but this will be my 25th little league world series um hard to believe but um so yeah that's my fun for the rest of the summer how about you? Uh just uh staying busy. I mean, uh we were already what, at the beach. What are you gonna have fun with? Come on. Well, I mean, I'm, I always have fun fishing. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> I mean, gonna say you just got a new boat, you're gonna have fun on it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm hoping to uh hoping you're gonna to do pretty dad? well. You're gonna get out with your dad? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to uh to taking it out. Still haven't even put it on the water yet. It's been too busy. We, you, you should have called, man. We can we can dig a swimming pool and fill it up really quick for you. Yeah, yeah. Get on the water. Yeah, we could. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to go too far though with, with like that. But I'm excited. Um, that um got some couple little small trips with the family coming up. Um, in in August, a little bit of camping. But got it. Got it. We've got. I just. I. I just. I stress it all the time to to our coworkers. They. You know, they want to apologize for being on vacation. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I missed your phone call. I was on vacation. 
like good for you why are you apologizing for taking time off um yep. take care of yourself first and then and then worry about everything else no absolutely yeah you can't be so i, I was just talking i think maybe it was my wife about that a little bit like don't be so serious you know about yourself and everything like just yeah, yeah. you can laugh well, it's okay to relax everything doesn't have to be perfectly clean all the time like it's it's okay you know yeah, but, especially especially when you have a four-year-old around the house that yeah that takes on new meaning right clean def- becomes a new meaning definitely uh, that's a new word definitely but i like the summer i mean from a turf standpoint i mean from a fishing standpoint i like no rain but from a turf standpoint i need some rain because i like i just like seeing green turf and keeping everything growing pretty well but when it's uh dry like this it's this is every year though. I mean, it's not like it's something that we haven't seen before. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, Tanner, I think we're going to wrap this thing up here. Yeah. Um, I re- I'll, I'll remind our listeners that um, they can get a hold of Tanner and I at our, at our email address. It's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Uh, if you have questions or comments, shoot us to, shoot them to us on that email address. Um, freshcutgrass at psu.edu. You have issue or have topics that you want us to address with um with guests i just had a good one tanner somebody um emailed me not on our um they actually texted me and said we should try to get somebody from wimbledon um oh yeah that'd be neat i i i it was actually last week when you know the week of wimbledon when they requested that i was like i probably won't bother them this week um or next week but maybe we'll maybe we'll see if we can get a hold of somebody yeah, that or or someone that manages a t- uh, you know a shortcut tennis court, you know, undering understanding all that. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that would be that would be good. We'll we'll have to look at that, but um, you know, we'll we'll um, look forward to having everybody join us again next time. And um, for this week, we'll say adios and enjoy the rest of your your week. Take care.